here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Robin McCarron. He is sounding off, drunk, in the middle of the road, in a snowstorm, wherever he is. Jeff Hawkins. They give him a big middle finger! (laughs) You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. I honestly would have rather gotten a DUI tonight. Wow. If the physical thing you're doing is funny, you don't have to act funny while doing it. Just be real, and it will be funnier. Gene Wilder. A new champ on Raw, and depending on who you ask, it's either Kevin Owens or Triple H. What next? Over at SmackDown, that Ms. Daniel Bryan promo we all thought was awesome was followed up with nothing. NXT rebuilds as they coronate the King of Strong Style as their champ, and the CWC shows the main roster how compelling drama is done. Speaking of compelling, our top 100 match... This week, Clash of the Champions 9 from New York Knockout. Terry Funk versus Ric Flair continue being awesome in 1989 with an epic I Quit match. Host, as always, of Shake Them Ropes, Rob McCarron, back at home. How's it going, Rob? Combined age of 85 years old. Those two guys. Us or those two? Okay. Those two guys. (laughs) Uh, Not quite us. Not quite us. Although we're getting closer every day. But uh, Ric Flair was 40. And Terry Funk was 45 when that match took place. And we will talk about it later on in the show. I am doing well. I'm very tired. A lot of traveling the last couple of weeks. I apologize to everyone who expected our show Wednesday night. It is Thursday night. Um, but I did want to talk about the Cruiserweight Classic because, I mean, this uh, Cruiserweight Classic finale is creeping up on us. And there will be a lot of focus on Backlash because Backlash is on the 11th. But on the 14th, This Cruiserweight Classic finale is basically an extra NXT TakeOver-like show. We're going to get the semifinals and the finals of the Cruiserweight Classic, probably some tag matches here and there, uh, maybe even an NXT showcase match. Who even knows what we're going to see? But the live finale coming up on the 14th. Uh, So we wanted to talk about this Cruiserweight Classic show. Uh, But before we do all of that, you referenced it. The new Universal Champion of the Earth and surrounding areas, i.e. the Galaxy. Kevin Owens is the new champion of Raw, and I bet a lot of people feel this way, and I am pretty much right there with him, at least until AJ wins the belt on SmackDown. Uh, Kevin Owens instantly became the real world champion in WWE. Okay. (laughs) I am on the other side of the fence here in that, look, I, I like Kevin Owens as champ. Don't get me wrong. But this is, of course, the silly season for WWE. This is where they try things. This is where they put on a champ who they ordinarily wouldn't in order to build up what they're going to build up for next year, eventually. He's the champ, but is he the guy? Let's keep in mind, too, by the way, this is a backup plan because of an injury. So it's not like they had a lot of time to, uh, to plan this one. But I thought with all the available outcomes, Kevin Owens was probably the guy. Kevin Owens was the right guy to do it. No, 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 no. I think he's the right guy here. My question is, he's the champ, but is he the guy? Does he have to be? I th- Look, you know me. I'm going to always fault on the, or, you know, fall on the side of old school. I don't think this is, this isn't a story about Kevin Owens being champ. This is a story about the McMahons and the political machinations. I mean, it was it was made that way half and half. I mean, we got Triple H returning uh, to help Kevin Owens. Uh, so you wonder where the McMahons will be on this because Stephanie didn't look happy. But yeah. you got Stephanie playing her own mind games right now with the whole Lesnar situation. So, yes, the McMahons are all over the show. Yes, that's true. Uh, but we got a new fresh face as the champion of this brand. We got a guy, by the way, who's credible. This isn't a Dolph Ziggler situation, Dolph Ziggler getting the title or anything like that. This is Kevin Owens, who has beaten John Cena, uh, who has beaten almost anyone he's been in the ring with. Uh, this is a credible champion, and now he was 
Some may, some might say, and maybe even you're one of them. Uh, you might say that he was given the championship. I I'm, can, I'm, I contend I'm not going that far. I'm not okay, going that far. That's good because I contend he was going to win anyway. This just made it a little bit easier. No, for me, my concern is I can see. I think I can see the booking from here, uh, and it doesn't. I mean, and Kevin Owens is a pawn in the game, so to speak. He's a bad guy too, right? I mean, he's a bad guy. The the yeah. he just won the championship. He was given the championship, but now it's up to him to keep it, and that might be even harder. Yeah, I, I don't think he turned, and I don't think Seth Rollins turned here or does turn here just yet. I think. I think it becomes kind of like that old, what was it, WrestleMania 2000, the proxy war where everybody, all the McMahons picked a wrestler to back, yeah. and, beca- yeah. and it becomes Rollins, Owens, and then Foley, I think, picks Sami Zayn. They leave Roman away. I think they did a lot of foreshadowing here because that's why they brought up Zayn in the first segment there quite a bit. Could be, yeah. And then I think the, the Brock Lesnar thing becomes, because someone... One of these McMahons is watching Game of Thrones because they always drop it in. <laughs> they always watch it in. They always drop it in interviews now. Like, I, I want to think just like Game of yeah. Thrones. Be, so yeah. so what's going to happen is old Cersei here, Stephanie mm-hmm. McMahon. Okay. Seth Rollins is going to fail. Oh sure. Being in, being in a three way or one on one, and now she's going to turn to Brock, and she can't control Brock. And eventually, I think Roman's going to be the guy that everybody unites and turns to to save. The WWE from Brock, I, or the title from Brock. I think that's the way this goes, but that's my opinion. It could go a number of different ways, and I think that's the best part of, you know, not only did Kevin Owens win the championship, but now we don't know what's happening next. We have to tune in next week to find out what's going on next. And as far as Seth Rollins turning, I'm with you. I don't think he turned. He All he got on Raw was beaten up by Triple H. It's not yeah. like he made a conscious, conscious decision to do anything. He was going to take Triple H's help. And we don't know if Triple H is a is coming back as a benevolent savior here, right. you know, representative of NXT, and maybe Owen stays a bad guy, and, and Triple H is kind of sympathetic here. There, there's a lot of questions yeah. here. Yeah. It's one of those, we need to wait to see how they follow up, much right. like SmackDown. Right, we have to wait and see. <laughs> wait and see, everybody. We don't know what's happening. Um, but I was completely fine with Triple H helping. Um, yeah. Again, because I'll look at it at the. I'll look at it in the way of you know. I think Kevin Owens was going to win. I have no. Pro- I have no it, problem it, with. Inter- I have no problem with interference right. to get the belt. I have no problem with a heel using interference to get the That's belt. That's right. It's a bad. Guy. I have. I have a problem with and the follow up. Yes. Then then him not being able to win a match clean. Ever. Right. And that'll be, that'll be the true scenario. We'll have to see if Kevin Owens can keep winning on his own, especially when you have on the other side, you have Dean Ambrose there who hasn't lost a singles match since June in any way, count out, disqualification, pinfall, whatever. The guy hasn't lost till June. It's taken them to Dean Ambrose to finally protect a champion, which is incredible because I think (laughs) we were both probably under the, uh, whether it be assumption or thought that when Dean Ambrose won, he was going to be another one of those guys that always seems to find a way to lose. And he's going to be like the worst champion ever. And they're not going to trust him to win and beat guys. It's, and it's, here he is win, you know, undefeated since June. Yeah. It's so funny because he hasn't lost since June, but he's still a goof. He's still a goof. In many ways. Goof, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I liked the stuff at the end of this SmackDown, but like the cowboy hat last week and stuff like that. There's just things they do that you just go. Eh, he hasn't brought back the popcorn cart yet, though. Yeah, that's true. A or, or wagon the, of ketchup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the ambulance with all the props. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he hasn't. He hasn't done that yet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, wait and see on the whole raw situation, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like Kevin Owens was getting pinned until yeah. Triple H saved him. So uh, he was a regular contender in that match. So he's the champion Cass now. Looked good. Cass looked good in that match. Cass which looked was, great. Which was surprising. A little well, bit. I, I wasn't surprised because it's a four-way. Everyone's in there at the same time. He can hit his big moves. It's not like he was out there one-on-one with a guy for 10 minutes. True. But he looked all right. He looked good. And if he can keep doing more of that, uh, you know, honestly, I would give him more singles matches on house shows. I know they're a hot tag team act, but you have these thinner rosters now with the brand split once they fully get into the wave of doing raw house shows and smackdown house shows mm-hmm. have cast work singles have enzo work four ways or something i don't know just have cast work in singles on the house shows you can still get the act over you can still have enzo go out there with him but let him work a singles match on the house show you don't have to be doing 
Enzo and Cass tag team matches on house shows all the time. Maybe once every weekend, maybe there's a, you know, a whole weekend of tag team matches and then a couple of weekends of singles matches. Just give him the singles matches, especially if you think he's going to be a big time singles guy in the future. Get him ready now for a year from now. That's what I would okay. do. That's what I would do. <laughs> I have no follow up. Your that, honor. That's what I would. I would also do that with Baron Corbin. In fact, give Baron Corbin a belt and let him go defend it for a year on house shows. Where, where did that come from? I don't know. Uh, so we're going to talk about Terry Funk and Ric Flair later. We're also going to, we got a good number of questions, Jeff, uh, for our Twitter question of the week segment, our mailbag. Uh, we all have quite a few that actually get a wide range of topics. Like we wanted, uh, you may or may not attend one of the shows this weekend for PWG, the battle of Los, battle of Los Angeles. You may or may not, we don't know yeah. yet. It'll be a mystery. Follow Jeff on Twitter at crapgame13 for his possible Bola adventures. <laughs> uh, but we got a question in on Bola, so that'll give us a chance to talk about that. We got a question in later on Alberto Del Rio, so we'll have a chance to talk about uh, that. But I wanted to take a moment right now to talk about Lyft. Lyft.com slash bonus. Uh, we've talked about Lyft last couple of uh, weeks on the show. Uh, new sponsor to Shake Them Ropes. I want to thank Lyft for uh, joining us. But right now, Lyft is pushing like crazy to get you to drive with them, but they're giving you a big bonus to do so. You want to drive, you've heard probably heard of you know competitors out there, you've probably heard of Lyft, and you've probably thought to yourself, should I spend a couple hours driving with Lyft? What, what entails driving with Lyft? What, it, what is it like? Well, go to lyft.com slash bonus, find out all about it, select Shake Them Ropes, and if you start driving... You can earn a $500 bonus with Lyft. Uh, it's also really cool to earn extra money. You can earn up to $35 per hour. So find out where you're available to drive at lyft.com slash bonus. Uh, when I was traveling last week, Jeff, I was in Chicago and I took Lyft to get around quite a few times. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, I, I drove, we, I told you on the show, everyone out there, I told you all on the show a couple of weeks ago when I drove in Indianapolis on Lyft, all the drivers that I talked to, every single one drove with both Lyft and some competitors out there, and they preferred Lyft. It's easy to sign up. You get a mentor in a lot of these cities. So if you're unsure of what exactly uh, this driving thing entails, you can actually ask people who have done it. So you're not going out there cold. So you get expertise, you get an easy sign up, and you get money right away. The payments from Lyft come quicker. Lyft wants you to drive with them, and I feel like you should if you're if you've ever thought about it. If you've ever thought about doing you know, driving on the side, whether it's weekends to make some extra money, whether you got it a couple hours here and there and just want to see what's going on in your city, go drive with Lyft, lyft.com slash bonus to shake them ropes for a special bonus offer of $500 that you can earn by driving with Lyft. Jeff, that sounds like an incredible deal, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I have friends who do Lyft and, uh, that's how they kind of, uh, make ends meet because they're actors who don't, uh, book regular work so in between they do it and they enjoy it that's right yeah I, one of my drivers in uh, chicago this weekend was someone who was recently laid off and he's looking for another job and in the meantime he's he's driving with lyft and he's making some pretty good money there were a lot of you know a lot of uh people looking for rides i will tell you uh like me in the chicago area so go check it out lyft.com slash bonus choose shake them ropes for a special 500 dollars bonus offer go do that uh, we're going to talk about the Cruiserweight Classic uh, coming up, too. But what were your other big keys uh, and takeaways from the WWE TV this week? Anything from Raw or SmackDown that really stood out? Yeah, let's let's go through just a couple of things. Um, for all my fears concerning Bailey, this Bailey New Day thing. I love it. It's great. She it's probably is, the best thing I mean, they, can, they can do right now. She is killing it. Right now, doing the whole interplay with the bootios and getting all amped up and her work on the apron during the unicorn stomp thing. And and the people are getting behind her. They've protected her. They put her with a her goofball charisma is really coming out right now. It, and I think it it's is. endear and it's and she's great. Yeah. One of the things that's going to be a mutual benefit, though, really, is I feel not only is it helping Bailey transition to the main roster, but it might be getting some extra life into the new day themselves. Yeah. They'd become a bit stale. They, really. They've been doing the same thing. And you know, people, when you're, when you're going out there on screen and like super, you rah, rah, cheer for us. We're going to try to be funny. And maybe it bombs a couple of times, which the new day have bombed a couple of times. 
you start seeing some of the crowd turn on them, or maybe they're a little bit quieter. And that was happening. And now with Bailey in there, it's not happening quite as much. So this uh, has the chance to work out for both of them. On the same note, not on a huge scale by any means, but I thought pairing Dana Brooke with Guns and Gallows was a pretty good idea too. I still don't know because I really don't like these skits that they're doing. I'm not I a big fan of the skits, but I, I will I will watch Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows go down there to the ring with yeah. Dana Brooke by their side and then beating fools up and Dana Brooke patting them on the head once they're beaten. Yeah, it's uh, if, if that happens, sure. I yeah, I'm, I'm, down, I'm down with that. Comparisons to uh, Trish Stratus with TNA? They're there, I think. I think... I think this is one where the the tag team is far more talented than TNA. Yeah. And 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 I think I think Trish had a lot more natural charisma than Dana Brooke does. Dana oh, Brooke's charisma. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's I agree not with that. it's not that Dana doesn't have charisma. It just is very forced charisma she, at the it, time. It's forced on television because yeah. She was another one of those on Breaking Ground that was coming out of her shell and was a super cool person to watch on Breaking Ground. And then you watch and her on WWE TV and she tries to portray someone different. And I excuse her because she's up there probably a little bit too soon and she's trying things out still. And she's still in many ways still trying to find herself quite a bit. So right. I, I have no problem with her playing it a little bit bigger here. Um, SmackDown, um, that's pretty much all I have for Raw. Did you have anything else that was huge? I honestly I mean, don't have a lot. I mean, Raw, yeah. not so much. SmackDown is the bigger one because we're less than two weeks away now from Backlash, the returning Backlash okay. pay-per-view. SmackDown, uh, AJ Styles is awesome. He's great, yeah. Oh, you, I, know what I, you know what I really had fun watching? What? The Headbangers versus Rhino and Heath Slater. Did you? I liked okay. it a lot. I thought the headbangers I, were fine. I mean, they're okay. 20 years past their prime and their prime wasn't that good. <laughs> but he's Slater and Rhino. I can get behind this tag team. In fact, I want them to win the whole thing. That's right. D push American Alpha. D push everybody. Give it to Rhino and he's Slater. Okay. I, I may be going a little do. crazy. I no, don't know. There's a chance they do here. If, and and, it, and it's for no other okay. reason than once the Usos. Right. Yeah. It would have Eat to be American that. Alpha yep. by a little bit by hook or by crook because uh-huh. you think they're going to do something a little shady here. Oh sure, they don't. They don't need the win over Slater, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of heat left in cheating Heath Slater out of another contract. But there is in cheating Heath Slater if they beat him down after a fluke win and they can't defend the belts. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. I would. I would love a situation where. Heath Slater and Rhino end up winning this tag team tournament. They become the SmackDown tag champions and we get a segment backstage or in the ring even where Daniel Bryan and Shane are still unsure if they even want to sign Heath. <laughs> like he's your tag champion, but they really are just not quite sure if he's the guy. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah, no, but, but I think, I think we can see where this is kind of going either way. The Usos are going to be the, the beneficiaries of this, but Heath Slater's good. I, I still there, there are parts of that, uh, that, that segment in the trailer I loved and parts that I just went, oh, guys, come on, man. You're doing so well here. We don't need to go that crass on you. But no, I, I had fun with uh, a lot of the SmackDown stuff. AJ Styles is great. I mean, that main I, event is going to – that main event better carry backlash because it's really a one-match show at this point. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt will be okay, but yeah. and this is a one-match show between Dean and AJ Styles and – it's a SmackDown single show. It's the first single branded show of this new era. And you're going to have a pretty thin roster compared to what you're used to. This is going to be like a roadblock type special event. And even those had a lot more star power. I mean, God, we had oh. Triple H defending the world title at a roadblock earlier this year. You mm-hmm. get Brock on a lot of these shows. Uh, this will not have Brock. This will not have the Raw stars, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, and a bunch of others. I am fascinated in this six pack challenge for the women's title. I think it, I think there are parts that could be really, really good if you get a few people out of the way. And I also, for some reason, I'm very compelled by Carmella's heel character for some mm-hmm. reason being quite vicious in those beatdowns. I think that's good. I think I'd like to see a series. I'm interested in a series between Nikki Bella and uh, Becky Lynch, to be honest with you. Sure. Do you, have any thoughts that with the way they've been doing this Carmella Nikki Bella thing that Carmella might actually be the one who wins this match and then they do the singles program? I 
Oh man, I don't think they're gonna go that far. But yeah, but what else do you do? What else do you do? Do you have no. a Babyface win it? Do you have Alexa Bliss win it to go off with Becky Lynch and then Nikki Bella and Carmella? Because it, it seems like they're gonna do Nikki Bella and Carmella, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, will it be for the title been... or not? Ooh, uh, I think so. And uh, but I think I think they're I think they'll use the Carmella feud to get to a feud with uh, Alexa okay. and Nikki Bella, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then let's get to this because this. <laughs> Look, they did a great job. They played this talking smack segment to start the show and then did nothing. And I understand why, but why do you play it on the top of the show if you're not going to follow it up? To get it out of the way? No, you. It's, it's being talked about on the internet, which doesn't quote unquote matter to them. If it's on TV, it becomes canon. And then to not follow it up becomes confusing to people. Yeah, I, I think what they're going for is, okay, this generated quite a buzz online. Let's yeah. promote that. We're going to do something on SmackDown. So people tune in now, once they've tuned in, it doesn't matter we we've got them tuning in. We'll just make something up. It's like a lot of these big time TV shows. They go out of their season with a big cliffhanger. And then guess what happens in the first minute of the first episode? It's just, everything's fine. I don't mean just that though. In the follow-up, they now establish basically Ms. is a Ms. is a coward. Which totally undercuts any of the coolness of that promo. And they give everything to Dolph Ziggler, and Dolph Ziggler's gonna have to lose again, and he's already been established as a loser. Yeah, he's a loser. He's a dork. He's done. I mean, it's hell, use it for Kendrick if you want to do something. I would have I would have liked something better from Miz uh you know, nothing that he could have done, but something that they would have allowed him to do. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, I would have liked something to where it wasn't when Dolph Ziggler called him out and you knew Miz was going to cower away. You knew he was going to run away. He wasn't going to fight. Explain why. Explain, you know what? I don't care that I was called a coward. I'm not one, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get into these fights with everyone just because they call me out. Say something. I actually got swerved on this a bit. I thought Dolph was coming out as a start of something new here in terms of they call you a coward. They call me a loser who does too much. We have a lot in common here type of yeah, story. But, they could have done. Yeah, there was a lot of different ways you can go. I thought it was interesting. Like I'm there thinking I'm watching Dolph Ziggler come out and he's effectively giving a motivational speech to the Miz. Yeah, he's given the Ric Flair to Carlito speech. almost. He, he is. He's given him this speech like I, you know, he didn't say this, but he's almost coming out saying, I know you have it in you. Show the people that you have it in you. Yeah. Hit me. Do something. What was in it for Dolph Ziggler? Exactly. What was in and it for Dolph Ziggler to come out Dol- there? If if he's right, Miz punches him in the face. If he's wrong, he Miz cowers away. And then what is Dolph Ziggler doing? Was he just out there to troll the Miz? Pretty much. I think it's he's out there to... He's out there to be out there because we don't want people to think that Daniel Bryan's coming back. Because especially I didn't think any of that until he literally said this won't be for any championships. Just fight me. Like, call him out. You know, I'm Dolph Ziggler. I know The Miz is upset about Daniel Bryan's comments. Now might be the time where I can trick him into an intercontinental title match. Yes, that's the second step thinking they needed to do with a lot of these programs because I'll, I'll tie it into something else that ticked me off on SmackDown just a little bit. Apollo Crews comes out and he has a match because AJ Styles bumped into him in the back. Now, all he they have to do is say, and if I win, I get the match with Dean Ambrose. And then it actually means something. Uh, and you know you, what? And you can watch that. I That's one way. You don't even have to go that far. You don't have to have this guy who lost to The Miz in an IC title match at SummerSlam now trying to get into the world title match. Right. The All you have to do is... Hey, I lost at SummerSlam. You're the number one contender for this belt. You're a big, you're a big name in this company. You're a, obviously a star on the rise in WWE. I'm challenging you so I can prove that I can hang with the top guys. Sure, I lost the last time, but I'm proving that I can hang and possibly in the future get back into title contention. Yeah, they're booking until five minutes after the cameras go off the air. They're not booking for the next week, thinking about what is this doing for these characters ne- right now and what yeah. are we going to do afterwards? Next and that, week, next month, next year, exactly. next anything. And and how are we going to rebuild these guys that we're beating in, in you know, six minutes to the Miz right. when we have a depleted roster? You got I mean, you don't have a lot of jobbers on the or enhancement talent or however you want to put it on mm-hmm. these shows. You have a few guys and they're reserved for a few people. 
Shout out to the old school AWA call out of Gary the Milkman Milliman. I assume he's the I assume he's the son of Jake the Milkman Milliman, the winner of the AWA Team Challenge series. Rob, for the history geeks, um, <laughs> but yeah, they don't they don't do that second step thinking, and it's and it's it drives me nuts at times. And you hear about it on the show a lot. I mean, it's not a huge. I'm not ranting negatively about the product i'm just nitpicking right now so let's go on to two shows that uh add positives to them we'll get and into two shows first i want to run down this uh this backlash okay card we ha- we got dean ambrose and aj styles we have the six-pack challenge for the women's title we have the uh the smackdown tag team tournament it is uh what do we got we got the hype bros against rhino and heath yes and we have the usos versus alpha mm-hmm. so uh the winners of those two matches will square off at backlash uh, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, and The Miz and Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship is going to happen at the pay-per-view because why not? And uh, I assume we're going to get Baron Corbin and Kane. Well, yeah, is that the way they're going? Unless they unless they stick Baron Corbin in the championship match as a, as a three-way. I don't see that one, no. Um, but but that was the whole point of Kane coming out and him and them staring at each other as Baron Corbin came down to the oh, ring. I guess they're, I didn't I didn't catch that part. Okay, yeah, no, Kane comes down and squashes this dude who had stripped down to his skivvies, and as he's walking back, they're introducing Baron Corbin for the match against... Ah, I see. And they do, and they do the little stare down here because subtlety is dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's where they're going. I got. I didn't see the entrance there, so that's where I was looking. So, okay, Baron Corbin and Kane. Uh, Baron Corbin ain't hitting that finish on Kane, that's for sure. Mm. He is not going to do that. Uh, but that would give you six matches, so there's still room. We have no more Alberto Del Rio. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so yeah, they have to fill out more, probably two or three more matches on the show. Or is this going to be a shorter pay-per-view? I, I mean, mean I, I probably see it going two and a half cause they're not on regular pay-per-view. This show is not going to be on regular pay-per-view. It literally is only on the WWE network this time. You don't um, need a pre-show. You don't, so. you don't need a pre-show. Uh, you may get one, you may get a half an hour, maybe no matches or whatever. Uh, but it'll be treated kind of like a, you know, a network special. In the old sense, the roadblocks of the world, the beast in the Easts, even though that wasn't was a little bit more special because of when it aired and from where. Uh, but it'll it'll have a different feel to it. Yeah. Maybe two and a half hours, but you still have to add at least one or two more matches. Probably uh, yeah, get to seven. Ginger, Probably get to seven. Ooh, Ginger, Ginger Mahal, is he raw or SmackDown? He's raw. Oh, you have you could you could debut Curtis Hawkins. You could. Kurt Hawkins getting up in there. Good yeah. old cousin Kurt. You could do, uh, maybe that is what they'll debut on. We don't know. Callisto. Callisto might be on the show Callisto's somewhere. Callisto's around. Yep, you got, uh, you got people. You got people. Um, I want to go to our first question in our Twitter mailbag. We got quite a few of them. Uh, Danny asks, and this will tie into the one of the shows that we're going to talk about from last night. Uh, should the Cruiserweight Classic winner be Raw's first Cruiserweight champion? Danny asks that one. And uh, we have... We have our semifinalists set. Now, there's one more episode that'll air to determine the other two semifinalists. Um, but the show's been taped. We know who the semifinalists are. We're not going to go into too much spoiler talk here. Uh, this week on the show, we got Brian Kendrick losing to Kota Ibushi in what I thought was a phenomenal TV match. Fantastic match. Fantastic story in the match. Story of two guys whose neck is going to give out first and whose heart is going to overwhelm yeah no i i loved this match i liked it better than the first one to be honest with you is this brian kendrick's best run in wwe oh no doubt although i do don't, don't get me wrong i love the ezekiel jackson run i, I absolutely love i, I loved pairing. it i loved it for what it meant i like the pairing but i loved it because it was brian kendrick and they were actually giving him big matches and a big gimmick to try and get himself over Yeah, I mean, for me, this had more emotion and more, and just, you know, I mean, Brian Daniel. Daniel Daniel, Bryan. Sorry, I I was calling Danielson. Uh, Crying and getting choked up on commentary and his homerism. There's a place for homerism, as as I tweeted. There's a place for homerism on TV. This not Bobby when you're Heenan not turned, when you're supposed to be an impartial observer no, no, and no, no. commentarist. This Bobby Heenan <laughs> in the Rumble '92, which we watched, you know, and occasionally David Crockett. Yeah, it gets people excited. I enjoy, I enjoyed Daniel Bryan here, and I and him getting choked up 
as as Brian Kendrick was also crying is is just phenomenal television, I thought. To answer the question, yes, I think the winner of the Cruiserweight Classic will be named on that night. I think they'll be named on the 14th, the first ever Cruiserweight champion on Raw. Um, I agree. And and obviously, they're not the first Cruiserweight champion on WWE TV, but I bet they call him that, the first Mm -hmm. ever Cruiserweight champion on Raw. You know, just like Kevin Owens is the first ever Universal champ. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? (laughs) <laughs> that was a little strange. That was a little strange. Uh, so yeah, Brian Kendrick, Kota Ibushi, um, Akira Tozawa is the best. I liked him here. I I'm not in love with Akira Tozawa. I like him a lot though. Um, I just think he would fit in so well in WWE. Oh, yeah. No, he'd be fine in WWE. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't take that. My statement as anything. I, I still really enjoy his work. I, I just, there, there, there are things in that metallic match that I kind of, my old school crank kind of came out during it, but I still enjoyed the match. It was just one of those things where I'm just like, okay, what does this mean? But no, Tazawa would be fine. I mean, he and Jack Gallagher would be fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they got some people that awesome. can be, they got some people that can be good characters. Grand Metallic, yes. uh, you know, beats Akira Tazawa 16 minutes. It actually went longer than the Kota Ibushi match. Uh, on television anyway. Uh, Grand Metallic gets the win, so he will face the winner of Zack Sabre Jr. and Noam Dar. Uh, and then you have Kota Ibushi meeting the winner of TJ Perkins and Rich Swan. Rich Swan, by the way, the only American left in the gig. Somewhat. TJ Perkins has been co-opted by the Perkins. Philippines. Yes. yes. <laughs> the Los Angeles part of the Philippines. <laughs> yes, he's been uh, he's been co-opted by the country of the Philippines. Um but anyway, I mean according to them, so we're we're most likely uh non-spoiler alert here by the way, we're we're most likely going to have an international winner of yeah, the I, uh Cruiserweight Classic. I am looking forward to that Perkins Swan match, something fierce. Yeah, I, I want to see it on TV. Uh we got Noam Darzak Saber. Eh, I can eh. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I can <laughs> Yeah, you that. and I both kind of, eh. I know it's one of those. Um, so September 14th is the finals. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the semifinal matches and the final match. So say that show goes two and a half hours. That's a good portion of the show. Uh, do you think they'll fill it up just with some, uh, some other tag team matches? Cause are there, is there a dream match kind of scenario of the losers that they might be able to put in? Uh, do you think we might get an NXT match here or there? What do you see happening on the September 14th finale? I think we'll probably get a multi-man tag in there. We may get, we may get a. There might be a dream match scenario in there. I can't. I'm just trying think to of, think of yeah, who man. would be one. Um, I think we're gonna get a Kendrick singles match in there, and okay. I think we may get Gargano and Ciampa tagging against a a, a, a very lovable duo like maybe a Cedric Alexander and someone. Yeah, maybe. I I wonder if they'll. I would love like a Brian Kendrick second chance match. Like we'll sign you to the raw division. If you can win one match and your opponent is going to be Keith Slater, (laughs) (laughs) just everybody has second chances. Hell bring in Paul London for a show. Jeez. I don't know if the internet could take that. I don't know. London and Kendrick (laughs) one-on-one on on September 14th. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rich Swan or somebody like that. I would love to see a Brian Kendrick singles match on uh, the finale. It's kind of like a last chance, but we'll see what we get there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had one more Cruiserweight Classic question. I'm trying to find it. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this guy. Uh, This was sent in via Twitter. And you can send us questions anytime, by the way, at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, at Shake Them Ropes. El Gwishy. Okay. El Gwishy says, if you can take six people from the Cruiserweight Classic and put them on Raw, and only six, who would they be? jeez. Oh, really? Okay. And we're not trying um, to be realistic here. Who would be the no, six no. people you would put on there? We're not talking about who's signable. We're not talking about lot, you know, backstage stuff. Who are the six that you want to see on Raw? I don't take all six good ones because someone has to lose. So that's that's yeah, my well, that's, that's what my uh, that's what Sincar is for. I that's mean, what yeah. for. Okay. Oh, and I and I'll have to be cynical and go with marketable. Uh, but I'll take I'll take a Bushi. I'll take Perkins. I'll take Swan. Um, I'll take Cedric Alexander. I'll take Grand Metallic, and I'll take Jack Gallagher. Wow. I think I I would replace Gallagher. 
or maybe even Cedric Alexander. I love Cedric Alexander. I thought Jack Gallagher uh, Gallagher has done a phenomenal job in this Cruiserweight Classic, um, especially the very first episode we talked about with the brackets, his interview, the the showcase on him was excellent. Um, Johnny Gargano has got to be in here somewhere. I had assumed that he would not be available due to the NXT stuff. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gargano. I mean, yeah, no, be... he's good. I mean, I'll, I'll replace Gallagher with Gargano. That, that's that's perfectly fine. I think both serve the white meat baby face in in two different ways. Gargano's going to be full time on Raw. Great. Bring yeah. him. Yeah, it, it's very interesting with this cruiserweight classic and the cruiserweight division on Raw because. To me, the way it's looking, the way it's feeling in my gut, which is growing larger by the day, it's going to be a mix of what WWE did in the late 90s with their cruiserweights, with their light heavyweights, where they would bring in certain people every once in a while. Mm-hmm. You might have uh, you know, someone from Mexico coming in for three weeks, and then you won't see him again for a month or never again, maybe. Uh, some of these guys will be full-time guys who are brought in in regular parts of the division, some of the Cruiserweight Classic guys you might see here and there, but aren't actually signed. Brian Kendrick may be like that. Uh, very interesting dynamic. It's going to be a mix of uh, signed guys and guys who are just brought in every once in a while. And maybe Gargano is part of the division while also being full-time on NXT, so he's not really full-time on Raw. Maybe they just bring him up to be full-time on Raw. Don't know. Don't know. Uh, but he is full-time in uh, at least in NXT right now. I mean, he's a WWE contracted guy, so he's yeah. going to be around. Um, well, the, the winner here better be friggin' Adrian Neville because that guy needs rebuilding something fierce. I, I think you put Neville in the cruiserweight division. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, based on everything we've seen with Sami Zayn, right now I don't think it's likely he goes in the cruiserweight division. No, I think he's going to the main event of of Raw. It, it, it's very weird so. that they changed his weight for no reason on the whole gimmick, yeah. but, you yeah. know, whatever. And he still may. He may go to the cruiserweight division. I don't know if he's going to be in the main event or all. I don't think the Kevin Owens stuff is coming back, man. I really don't. I think he's going to be Foley's proxy in the war. I, just, I think they're going to yeah. they're going to bypass Roman. So I don't. That's just me. I, I like that scenario though. I like the idea of everyone going to Roman to save the company. Yeah, that is hilarious uh, I mean, to me. It it sounds good in my head at the it, time. So that's it's just <laughs> hilarious to me. Before we get to the rest of the questions, NXT. This episode was. There was some rebuilding. good stuff on it. It was rebuilding. It, it felt a lot like the early 2014 shows. Yeah. Where you would have, uh, you know, Bailey wasn't that big yet. You would no, have no, a, no. You'd, you'd have the mid-card Bailey sasha Banks view because Sasha right. wasn't big yet either. Right. They were just trying to find themselves. She was just like on the BFFs or mm-hmm. something, just trying to find her way. Yeah, it's these types of things. It's these middling guys that they're looking to break out. And then, of course, I, you know me, I loved that beatdown of, of Champa. By the by, the revival. Yeah, I you're, thought that you're a big tag team guy. You like the tag teams but doing that their was business. Just an, but it wasn't just you know guys doing their finishers on guys. Right, this no, was a, it was a beat ball, down. rolling style beatdown. I loved it. Yeah, it was a beatdown. Uh, so that's going to keep going on. Um, but really, this episode was about issuing or ushering in the new era of the world title scene, and that's Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Samoa Joe may still be the next challenger for his championship. They might go in a completely other different direction. But sure she, in the Liv Morgan era. <laughs> that too. I'm all up for it. I'm all for it. As long as Carmella's not there anymore, let Liv Morgan fly, I tell you. Uh, but this episode was about making it Shinsuke Nakamura's show. And that yes. actually and that gives it a new look on the show. I liked it. I liked I liked the I liked the beginning where basically Joe walks off has to walk off because he's so angry at not being able to perform. So right. yeah, no, I, I this is now Shinsuke's uh playground. I liked it. It's his playground. Uh, back to the mailbag here. Uh, we got the cruiserweight uh, classic questions out of the way. Adrian asks with all of the changes going on in wrestling this year, what do you think will be the next big shift in pro wrestling? What's, what's the next big thing coming up? Can we even begin to guess the way this year has gone? Is it going to be, um, you know, hiring different talents from different areas. That's kind of what we already have, but is it going to be completely clearing out other companies rosters? Is it going to be something in TV production? Is it going to be something in the way raw and SmackDown work? Like what, what could possibly be next? Well, they could go retro and they could decide that, you know, promos are important again. So they start doing those. Um, 
I really think the next move that someone makes here is someone's going to go after a women's company to build, to bolster up a more diverse roster. I think diversity is going to be huge very, very soon, sooner than later. And I, I think, especially with WWE trying to make this push for women's wrestling, they're going to realize how thin they are with two rosters with six women apiece and a, you know, a good but not great roster of NXT talent. I think they start looking at the female indies. So a uh, a shift to a even larger focus on women's wrestling. Yeah, women and possibly tag teams, I would think. Because they have singles guys. And we've been seeing never- that on a small scale with, uh, I mean, to WWE, it wasn't a small scale. They had the whole Divas Revolution, um, but they didn't really go gung-ho on it. Yeah. So they could and- with that. They could go gung-ho with tag teams again. And Ring of Honor has a great tag team division right now. I mean, and, and, but, you know, I think, I think we're seeing, uh, you know what I think we're, I'm going to backtrack on my answer a little bit because I just thought of something better because I didn't have these (laughs) questions to preview before. So I I like to surprise you. I like to surprise you with the question. I know, but I think we're seeing the next big thing and that's smaller companies teaming up and being more cooperative now that there's only one big dog in the fight. And that's, you know, you have ROH now working with New Japan and CMLL. Mm -hmm. Evolve working with shikara and companies in europe yeah you're gonna get a lot a little bit more of this and i think tna is gonna find a dance partner eventually speaking of dance partners with tna the next question comes from uh somebody (laughs) really tater tots from out of your ass tater tots well you know what happens here is i write down i like to write i don't like to uh use the whole computer gimmick and make a uh, a word document of all the questions i don't like to do it so i write it but here, you know, during the uh, last 47 minutes that we've been recording the show, I like to doodle and write all over the writing I did. So now I'm struggling to find where my questions are. Uh, but Tater Tots on Twitter asks, what is Alberto Del Rio's next destination? And this relates to the fact that Alberto Del Rio, who's suspension, he's, he's uh, serving a suspension right now, 30 days from WWE. Uh, he has his opt out coming up from WWE. And it's being reported that he's given notice that he is going to leave WWE when this one year opt out period happens. So he is done. Where does he go next? And I ask you coming off the TNA question, because if there was ever a time they wanted him last time, last time he was a free agent, he went to AAA, he did Lucha Underground, TNA wanted him. He did Ring of Honor. He did Ring of Honor. TNA wanted him. Do they finally get him? Yes. I think they throw money at him. As a matter of fact, I think they throw bad money at him, to be honest with you. I think they throw money. You know, the last time he was close to going, it was reported that he was close to going, but he didn't want to burn down the bridge with WWE. Well, now that he's left WWE two times, he may be in the mindset where he doesn't care what WWE does in the future. And he wants that money. And I think it depends on how much influence in this new regime John Gaborik still has. Because I know that he'll want to bring him. Oh, he was a star there. Look what they did. And yeah, no, I, I I think TNA is a more than obvious choice given how he kind of left AAA and ring of honor. Yeah. And he can do a bunch of indies and he can do uh, kind of what drew McIntyre is doing if he really wants to. So he'll have options. Uh, yeah. I think we'll see him in TNA as well. I think we, we will. Um, let's see. We got uh, angel asks a question here. I think angels, a new listener too, started interacting with us on the Twitter feed. Uh, angel asks, how is social media? affecting wrestlers and promotions and we're seeing a lot more now Uh, we're seeing the role of social media um whether it's getting promotions bigger mainstream pub we're seeing videos going viral i mean we're talking social media made ricochet and will osprey one of the biggest wrestling stories of this year from their new japan match together getting on espn and whatnot uh, social media can make a lot of cool things that may not have been seen on a large scale before a huge wrestling story now. Yeah, I think it does a lot equally good and bad. I think it like, for example, the whole ref wrestling GIF controversy this past week. GIF. Yep. They pronounce it GIF. I used to pronounce it GIF until I was corrected. So let's move on. <laughs> and, you were, and, you know, okay. We'll move on. You were talking about GIFs. Go ahead. <laughs> You can expose new guys to vast new audiences. 
It's how a lot of people keep up with smaller promotions when they don't have time to watch, say, a 12-hour New Japan show. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if and you know, the glorious bomb was funny. It's entertaining. It gets people talking and interested. Does it make money? I don't think so, necessarily. I, I think that was a big... Uh, it played a part. I don't think it was huge in getting Bobby Roode uh, super yes, over in Brooklyn. It, I think it played a little tiny bit of people making him uh, a little bit more likable. It indirectly gets him over, yeah. which then will make them money. What it does is it fuels this cottage industry of analysis that we do, quite frankly, with a lot of the bad, because guys don't, in old school terms, protect their character on social media. They talk freely and openly and sometimes a little bit too opinionated. And then people start reading into things like, oh, look, this guy stopped following this one guy. I guess their friendship has broken up, mm-hmm. you know, type of things. And they start reading into it and it starts fueling the gossip industry, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. That's my opinion. Tom Bobo asks, who wins Bola? Well, unfortunately, I think I put the wrong one in the prediction question. Um, I was high on Marty Skrull winning, and then I realized he signed with Ring of Honor, but I don't think that precludes him from winning. Both. Oh, I do. So I'm, I'm going to... Do you? Oh, okay. 100%. So I think, I, that, I, th- I think it probably does as well, unfortunately, and so I'm not going to win any contest, but I think now, I think now they're going to crown a guy who, who can easily get there for shows who doesn't have a lot of ties to any huge companies necessarily. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Jeff Cobb. I think this may be his time. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling yeah. you, come around to the Jeff Cobb bandwagon. Come oh, I love Jeff it. Cobb. I loved it. I, I loved that Chris hero match. I watched in Reseda. It, yeah. No, he is, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. I just think they always err on the guy with a little bit more time in PWG. who's a little bit more loyal, who, the fan base is behind. I mean, they've always had these kinds of stories. I mean, if, if Trevor Lee weren't with TNA, I think they, I think they'd give it to Trevor Lee, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But you know, Cobb's only worked a couple cards for PWG. I don't know if, if dragon has the, you know, faith to put it on a guy who, you know, Lucha underground at any time can say, well, you can no longer use him. I like Jeff Cobb as a, choice to win. I like Pentagon Jr. as a choice to win. Um I honestly well, like I don't see I don't see Pentagon Jr. winning this because he doesn't work enough PWG cards. He, he comes in for Bola. That's about it. That's fine. That's fine. They'll get him every once in a while. Uh when he around probably taping the next season of Lucha Underground. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw out some winners here because honestly I, I don't see a strong case for anyone. Yeah. Because uh, Bola is becoming less and less about storylines going into the future and just a, a super indie tournament. I liked Derek's, our guests, Derek's uh, prediction that Adam Cole still wins this, even though he's not officially entered. He's the ROH world champion. If he was yeah. in the tournament, he would have to win because he's not going to lose. And exactly. I, and I believe he's only out of the tournament because of that. He's out of the yeah. tournament because he became the ROH champion. I know I, I like the storyline and the, and the, uh, the scenario. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it will, but I like the scenario. Uh, I could also see Kyle O'Reilly. I know he's an ROH guy too, but Kyle O'Reilly, uh, made a huge impressive comeback and he's a strong candidate. He just Um, had a world title shot. So maybe, yeah, Yeah. I know. I know it's tough. It's tough. I know who won't win and that's Cody Rhodes. Cody won't win. I don't think Morrison slash Hennigan will win. I don't think Jack Gallagher will win. Um, Mark Andrews, I don't think will win. <laughs> It'll be fun though. It'll be a fun yeah. tournament. Yeah. It'll be a fun and tournament. We'll all, and we'll all watch it together in six months. Six months. Uh, we have via Twitter, Mark Sempervivi asks. Mike Sempervivi, right? Oh, is it Mike? Yeah. Is it? Love Semp. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't know. I, from your I, old from your old neighborhood. Oh, really? Yeah, figure four. Mark Sempervivi asks, "Am I the greatest?" <laughs> I I mean, I probably I don't know. I'm I'm sure you're a fine fellow. I don't know. I don't. I've never met you. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not putting over Mike's radio show here because he's on daily, so I don't need. It. <laughs> I love you, Mike, but no, no. <laughs> I need your advertising more than you need mine. <laughs> 
And we have one more question we'll get to. But first, I wanted to talk about this Terry Funk Ric Flair match. Oh, did you? Clash of the Champions 9 in November of 1989. Combined age going into the ring of 85 years old. Ric Flair super babyface coming out with the ladies still, but unnatural Ric Flair, you know, sucking up to the fans at ringside, shaking everyone's hand, having mm-hmm. high fives with everybody. I was not prepared for super babyface Ric Flair tonight. Had you ever seen this match? I have never seen this match. Okay, no. cool. It well, was the first I'll time give, viewing for myself. I'll I was, give you a little bit I the- was three years old when this match took place. Okay, cool. I'll give you a little bit of the background then, because uh, I watched this live naturally, because this is a renaissance in my wrestling fandom. I was 16, so you can do the math. Uh, at Russell, at uh, Russell War, uh, Ric Flair won the title back from Ricky Steamboat, which we will be watching in two or three weeks, I believe. Yeah, on, yeah I believe so. Yeah. And, and, and for this whole thing, they had three judges, just in case it went to a time limit draw all former NWA champions. They had Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. Now, for me being 16, my only real exposure to Terry Funk, I knew from after mags and things like that, he'd wrestle in Puerto Rico and stuff, but was that that short WWF run he had where he was a mid-card guy and with Jimmy Hart, where him and they renamed his brother Dory into Haas Funk and they added Jimmy Jack Funk. That was really my only exposure to Terry Funk. I, I had heard he was an NWA champ, but I'd never seen him with like real championship heft or anything like that. So that kind of shocked me watching him here. So Flair pins Steamboat and Jim Ross goes in to interview Flair. And during that time, Terry Funk comes in to congratulate Rick. You know, hey, Rick, I love you a lot. You're great. You know, Terry Funk at this time, semi-inactive. He had been doing movies like Over the Top and Roadhouse and, and, and an episode of Quantum Leap and things, things of that nature. But Funk stays a little bit too long, and he challenges Ric Flair to, for the first shot at the belt. Ric Flair says, look, you've been inactive. You've been in Hollywood. And at that time, WCW had a top 10 list, and there was a rule that you had to be in the top 10 in order to get a title shot of any kind. You're not in the top 10. So Terry Funk goes ballistic on Flair, including what might possibly be the first pile driver through a table spot, especially the first one on national television. And it is awesome, and it knocks Flair out for a few months. So while he's rehabbing and contemplating retirement, Funk feuds with Steamboat, who leaves in August. And Gary Hart starts managing Terry Funk and forms a stable called the JTEX Corporation with a young wrestler by the name of the Great Muda. Who, and that also includes uh, the Dragon Master, also known for the world-class fans as Kendo Nagasaki, and a couple of old Southern veterans in Buzz Sawyer and Dick Slater. Love the JTEX Corporation. Absolutely love them. So Flair comes back in the summer and beats Funk at the Great American Bash in the title match. And finds an ally in Sting to help battle the JTAX Corporation. And they have some tag matches with Funk and Muda, and they crisscross singles matches, including a, a Halloween Havoc Thunderdome match that could have been better. But at Clash 8, a, a month or two before this, at fa- called Fall Brawl, they're supposed to have another straight tag match, but Dick Slater has to replace Terry Funk due to a legit injury to Funk at the time. His arm was infected for some reason. But at the end of that match, which is another great match, it's you wouldn't think Dick Slater would be this good, but he's absolutely great in, in that match at this time in Dick, Dick Slater's career. But Terry Funk comes out and puts a garbage bag over Ric Flair's head and almost chokes him to death to the point, <laughs> at least on, on camera. So, so it comes to a head, and this becomes about pride. These are men with pride, so it becomes an I quit stipulation. Now, the NWA, or the, I think it's the NWA Board of Governors, made a decision, possibly due to the backlash over this garbage bag spot, that would not only be an I quit match, it would be an I quit wrestling match. So it adds an added layer to this going into fall brawl, or going into New York knockout in Troy, New York, at the Houston Field Center. And I watched this both on the network, and then I watched my original version to see if there are any differences, and there aren't any, with the exception of Terry Funk's entrance music is is dubbed over. Yeah, yeah. In, in the original, the best thing about Terry... Terry Funk comes out to the old. Um, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Once Upon a Time in the West? No. Okay. It, it, there, there, there's this Sergio Leone harmonica music for Charles Bronson in that. That's just creepy and weird. And that's what Terry Funk comes out to originally. It had to be overdubbed due to 
uh, copyright purposes. Not overdubbed, though. Smiling, happy, babyface Ric Flair before his, uh, I forget the German name. I always call it the theme from 2001 plays. Aaron Copeland's fanfare for the common man plays. I'm just like, wow, that's interesting. But they are going full babyface with Ric Flair here for the time being. Oh, yeah. And yes, it is very weird because he was a heel going into that steamboat match. So for this first few months here, he is smiling, slappy hands, babyface. Because Ric Flair has to carry the company because they've been cooling down Sting, having him in like matches with like Wild Bill Irwin and things of that nature. But <laughs> not only do we get a great match and a great struggle between Flair and Sting, we also get a great struggle between Tommy Young and the microphone <laughs> for the first half of this match. But I this this hits all my happy places, Rob. I love the brawling style. They're not doing too much, but it feels so angry and real. And sticking the microphone in their mouths and, you know, talking smack and saying, I quit, I quit, I quit. Um, and we'll get to the end of the match in a bit, but I want your thoughts on it. No, I liked it. Um, I, mean, I was thankful this match took place to, you know, kind of get me back into the show after the big Sid Justice injury. <laughs> oh, you watched, you watched, did you watch the entire Clash? Or just no, I watched matches? Sid's match. Come on now. Because I like, I like this Clash. Uh, Clash was interesting. Because yeah. of the, all the tag teams, and especially the Jim Coronet heel turn. Well, it was Which, it was all the tag team craziness, but also the fact that you had two different tag team matches on the show that involved the current and the quote-unquote current NWA tag team champions. Yes. Because we had the Steiner brothers who were the in-real-life champions, and then we had the Freebirds who were the still-on-TV champions. Right, and we because had of doom taping the situations. The and sky, you're right. This is where this, this is where, is where the skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah. This is where Sid gets hurt and ruins Starcade for me. Ruins Starcade. Ruins Starcade, but also kicks off the career of one the Undertaker. Yes. Well, he'd been in the promotion. He was in as uh yeah. Mark Callis. He was a now nobody. He just, now he becomes a skyscraper. Well, he was with Paulie dangerously. I mean, you can't yeah. go. Who's a nobody? Like yeah. anyone's ever heard of him? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. No, where did he ever go in wrestling? I liked the story of this match. I liked that they teased another pile driver on the table spot, but yeah. they did have pile drivers on the outside. I love the, the table spot where Flair throws Funk across the table. Um, I'm also interested in your opinion because this is our first exposure on the top 100. At the, in 1989, they were going on a run of old classic announcers and bringing them in. So they brought in Lance Russell, but they also brought in Gordon Soley to do play-by-play. Mm -hmm. Gordon Soley had been kind of a, a setup guy for a couple of the older Starcades, but here he was paired with Jim Ross. Right. Your and Jim that? Ross was really doing play-by-play -play by the end. Yeah, he's doing color here. Yeah. I mean, Soley was here to do color. Right. And there's no doubt about that. It's a lot of Jim Ross talking. My but biggest thing about the commentary uh, was the fact that Jim Ross, this entire match, is just awestruck at the wireless microphone technology. Yeah. The entire time. And someone's going to say, I quit into the wireless microphone. And you can hear all the sounds in the ring because our microphone is wireless. And it just gets me back to when HD was first coming out on TV and everyone's like, this channel in HD. This show is in HD. It's, oh my God, HD. Well, this is 89. I so know. the technology is still there. Hey, and, I'm not you know, bashing it. You, we you, do that with remember, every technology. We do that with DVDs. I mean, I mean, you remember the the Magnum Tully match with the microphone, all the static and stuff that would yes. come because of the wire. Yep. Oh yeah. But of course, they had they had problems with the wireless mics. They're, they're using a wired mic for the first third of the match. It, it was funny because you have Jim Ross, <laughs> who's in awestruck of this technology, and then the technology fails because they use the wired mic for the first part of the match, and then finally the wireless mic uh, kicks in, and we get that one. Uh, I thought Terry Funk was great here. I thought Ric Flair was really cool. Uh, Ric Flair goes back into kind of heelish dick territory during this match. He's he's somewhat cockily, you know, cockily or whatever you're going to say. Uh, well, he's still cocky. He's a cocky. Oh, he's baby. cocky. He's cocky. Because yeah. The promo, the promo he cuts is almost pure heel. But before this and and going into the match and but he still has great respect for Terry Funk. They were still doing these types of things where guys could hate each other but still be baby faces and not be full on heels. There were still redeemable aspects. Unless you're Gary Hart. Yes, Gary Hart is pure evil. He's pure evil. And and, <laughs> and so the match ends and like the men they are, Terry Funk promised 
he was going to shake Ric Flair's hand. And, he, and of course, Ric Flair still hates him. So it's not the handshake of respect that you get right. in these other things. It's the, yeah, there you go. Thanks a lot. I am the better man type <laughs> handshake. I think I that's where you get the heel vibe. We from, do. We as do. Opposed to all these, these weak ass millennials hugging each other yep. after their, their great matches. These guys, these guys don't, don't break kayfabe, Rob McCarron. But it does begin, it does begin interest in a couple of new angles here. Because after the match, Gary Hart's stomping on Terry Funk. Flair goes to kill Gary Hart, and here comes Muda and the Dragon Master. And they start beating the hell out of out of Flair, who comes in to save Flair, but Sting. And what this would lead to is the rebirth of the four horsemen when Arn Anderson returns from WWF Sans Telly Blanchard but with Ole, and they eventually turn on him. Uh, Terry Funk becomes a commentator here. Uh, according to Gary Hart's book, which I read uh, in doing research for this match, I had never read his book, uh, the, the I Quit stipulation um, was kind of a shock because they there was a plan still in place even after this. The WCW didn't want Terry Funk to wrestle anymore, so they put him on commentary with Chris Cruz, which is a very underrated uh, commentary team. But the plan was they wanted to turn... Gary Hart wanted to turn Muda babyface because the crowds loved Muda, but WCW didn't think a Japanese heel who didn't speak English could get over as a babyface. I strongly disagree, but there was a way they were going to do it where it was going to be a double cross with Funk and um, Funk and Hart, you know, uh, teaming up to to turn Muda face. But what this does actually is it sets up Future Shock, which is the Starcade in December because Lex Luger comes out and attacks Sting. Now, he's not aligned with Gary Hart, but after the match, he does go up. They had had a ceremony earlier in this show where uh, Sting had gotten Wrestler of the Year and Flair had gotten Wrestler of the Decade from Bill Apter. So he takes this blue chair they had smashed Sting with, and he smashes the trophies. And those are your four competitors for the round robin in Starcade for December, where they kill Muda, effectively. And then you had the four tag teams that were supposed to be in 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 for the tag team division of Starcade in in the Warriors st- skyscrapers Doom and um God I forgot the fourth team offhand but uh, you're supposed to have this great thing and then it all got screwed up by injuries like injuries to Sid and whatnot so oh the Steiners yeah so and that's uh, 1989 it's 1989 and that is our match number 20 on our countdown next week is match number 19 it is Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 10. Uh, the ladder match, if I'm not the mistaken, ladder the, the ladder, ladder match. match, the yeah, ladder me, match. Yes. The first, uh, of its kind on this, on, uh, WWE television, but, or WWF television at the time, but also just the standard by which now everybody wants, wanted to top it. It is the ladder match. We're going to talk about our final Twitter question of the week. If triple H is back and using the pedigree, Will Seth Rollins change his finisher, and what will it be? Obviously, he's going to steal the burning hammer from Kendrick. Penis plex. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.